Well, good morning. Good morning. Well, nice. That was, I think I got a third of you, but that's okay. I don't like to speak out in public either. No, I'm, I'm Adrian. Happy to be here with you in this cold valley of yours, but it is beautiful up here. You know, the last several weeks, we've been going through this series on the Trinity, right? This, this truth, this biblical truth that God has existed eternally as one God in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And as we've been kind of looking at the different aspects of the Trinity and, and wrestling with it, trying to understand it, um, it's, I hope you have enjoyed it. And as we kind of wrap up the series today, what we want to talk about is, is how do we apply this, this truth to our everyday life? You know, because this is, this is what we believe, is that the doctrine of the Trinity is not just an abstract theological theory. It can shape how you and I live every day. And when, when you think about that, it, it makes some sense. You know, it, it, in my mind, it makes sense. I mean, if, if you were to go to a doctor... And that doctor was to tell you that, uh, that you had a, an allergy to shellfish, right? And you, you took that knowledge, you took that truth, and, and the next day you went out and ate some shellfish, and you blew up like a balloon, and your, your throat started to close. That, that knowledge, that truth didn't do you much good, did it? Because you didn't apply it to your life. And so today... We're going to look at, at several ways that we can apply this truth of the Trinity, that God exists as one God in the Father, God in the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit in three persons, and how we can apply that to our life. And I think the first thing that, that the Trinity teaches us is that, um, is that the Trinity teaches us humility, and I think I'm having a little trouble with the clicker here, so you might be, have to help me out a little bit. So the Trinity teaches us uh, humility, not thinking more of ourselves than we ought to. You know, there's a, uh, I, I think the first place that, that really this teaches us is, is in respect to our relationship with God. And, you know, there's a, a psalmist said this in Psalms 139, 14, Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You know, and this is a, the psalmist is, is talking about himself, right? He's, he's talking about how we have been created. He's saying, God, you've, you've created us in a wonderful way. I mean, the way that we work is marvelous. And I think that we would all agree with that. I mean, when you look at how we have been put together, the way our organs work, the, the way our mind works, the way that we can, can control ourselves and think and, and even do things like breathing without thinking about it. When you look at us in kind of on a, in a scientific perspective and, and, and how we're put together with atoms and, and electrons and neutrons and all that kind of stuff, and, and if there's any science majors or professors in here, yes, I know, I hardly know what I'm talking about, but the one thing I do know is that we're put together in an amazing way. 
right? That, that God has put us together in an amazing way. And, and even when we look out around us at, at all of God's creation, it truly is amazing. But you know what? God is bigger than all of that. God is, is bigger than us. When we look at how complex, the complexity of us, God is bigger. Because God created all these things, and, and out of everything that God created, he's one of a kind. There's nothing else like him. So when we think of the Trinity, I think it should remind us of how big God is, how big he is, how he's holy, eternal, just how big he is. And I think that that should drive us to be humble before God. You know, one of the ways that, uh, to, that, that humility before God works its way out in our lives is through worship. It's worshiping him. Look what it says in Psalms 99. It says, the Lord is king. Let the nations tremble. He sits on his throne between the cherubim. Let the whole earth quake. The Lord sits in majesty in Jerusalem, exalted above all the nations. Let them praise your great and awesome name. Your name is holy, mighty king, lover of justice. You have established fairness. You have acted with justice and righteousness throughout Israel. Exalt the Lord our God. Bow low before his feet, for he is holy. You know, what a great example of, of what worship is. I mean, worship is acknowledging who God is and praising him for it. Worship is, is taking God for who he's revealed himself to be and praising him and thanking him for being a big and mighty God. You know, we, we worship, we can worship every day, right? We don't have to come to church to worship. You can worship at home uh, on your own by just praising and thanking God for him being a big and mighty God. You can worship him with your family, right? Just, just talking about how wonderful God is, that's, that's worship. And we can also worship him together here corporately, like, like on Sunday morning when we, we, we are led by a, a worship team where we're giving God praise and thankfulness for who he is. You know, not only should we be humbled when we think about the Trinity, be humbled before a, a big and mighty God, I also believe that the Trinity teaches us to be humbled, uh, to have humility towards each other as well. You know, it's, it's interesting when you're, you're reading the Bible, right, and, and we've got God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, when, when you're reading the Bible, you'll notice that, that each of these parts of the Trinity, the one God who exists in three persons, each of these persons give glory and honor to one another. John chapter 13, we, we, we can read that, that God the Father will be glorified by Jesus. And in turn, Jesus will glorify God the Father. In John chapter 16, we read that the, the Holy Spirit is going to glorify Jesus by, by revealing the truth of, of what Jesus was teaching his disciples to his disciples. 
See, so within this, this Trinitarian relationship of God, they're glorifying one another. God the Father glorifies God the Son. God the Holy Spirit glorifies and honors Jesus. And, you know, not only do we see God giving glory and honor to himself throughout the Bible, we also see God doing something else, doing something very similar to us, modeling humility to us. You know, during Jesus' last Passover meal, what what we call the, the last supper that Jesus had with his disciples, Right after their celebration around dinner and, and after the meal was finished, Jesus got up and washed his disciples' feet. We can read about this in, in John 13. It says, So he got up from the table and took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. Now, in this day, washing somebody's feet, right, this, this foot washing was something that was left for servant work, right? That was something that servants would do. You see, they, they walked around on roads with animals, right, wearing sandals. And, and I don't know about you, but I've never seen an animal use a porta potty <laughs> right? I've never seen an animal walk off next to a tree, right? They handle their business right where they're at and move on. And so you can imagine how these roads were. And they're wearing sandals and stuff is getting kicked around. Their feet are getting dirty. And so it was customary that when they would come into somebody's home as a dinner guest or something, that that they would have a servant there ready to wash your feet so that your feet could be washed and then you could have a comfortable evening at the home. You know, now today, what do we do, right? We, we throw a welcome mat that's got little spikes on it, right, in front of our door. It says welcome, and what it really means is, I'm glad you're here, but wipe your feet, right? <laughs> or we have the little boot post, the boot brush, that you can kind of take your boot and, and scrape off the mud off of your boot before you go into somebody's house. But see, here, this was a little bit more personal, This was a little bit more, this is like a a foot massage with water, right? Getting down in between the toes. You see, in Jesus' disciples, they knew what he was doing. Matter of fact, one of his disciples, Peter, kind of refused. He didn't want Jesus to wash his feet. He says, you're our teacher and Lord. Are you going to wash our feet? Are you going to do that servant work? On us? But Jesus insisted. And after Jesus washed their feet, this is what he said. Since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash the feet of each other. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done. Now, I'll be honest with you. If you come up after the service and tell me that you want to wash my feet, I'm going to tell you no, right? I'm I'm not into that, right? I'm not into that. Plus, I don't think God was actually asking us to go around and wash each other's feet. What I actually believe that God wanted to illustrate to us was that no one is too big. No one is too important. 
to humble themselves and honor and serve others. I mean, think about it. The creator of, of all things, the God of the universe, showed us how much he loved us by coming to earth as a man. Coming to earth as a man to save us. And, and not only does he do that, but while he's here, he, he didn't demand that, that, that people served him. Right? He didn't demand that, that everybody submit to him. He took the role of a servant and served us. And he washed his disciples' feet. See, this is something that we should be doing. Showing others how valuable they are to God and how valuable they are to us as well by serving them. You know, and this, this too, this is something that we can do in our everyday life. At home with our families by putting their needs before our own. I mean, how easy is it to just only be thinking about what we need or what we want? And we could take a minute and, and put others' needs before our own. I mean, we can do this wherever we're at, at the store, at work. We can do it together as a, as a, as a, as a church by, by participating in the ministries that are serving the community around us. You know, it's uh, being humble, not only with God, but with others. And, and doing it with others is connected to my next point, that, that the Trinity teaches us to live in community. It teaches us to live in community. You know, it's been said that the Trinity is the first community and the ideal for all communities. Now, I, I have no idea who said that, to be honest with you. I've got no idea who said that, but, but it makes sense, and I see what they're talking about. Because remember, God has always existed. He was never created, right? He, he's always existed, has no beginning and no end, and he's always existed as one God in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and within that, that Trinity, that, that Trinity relationship, there's community. And I believe that's true because when we read throughout the Bible, we, we see that love is exchanged in between those persons of the Trinity. I mean, look what it, it says in, uh, in John chapter 3. In John chapter 3. It says that the father loves his son and has put everything into his hands. In John chapter 14, it says, I will do what the father requires of me so that the world will know that I love the father. You see, this was, was Jesus talking about his love for the father. Matter of fact, that the Bible tells us that, that God is love. And not only does it tell us that God is love, it tells us that the fruit of the Spirit is love. And so we've got this interchange of love that creates this community within the Trinity. 
And I believe that that tells us that we should live in community as well. Now, the, the truth is, is that we're never going to live in a perfect community like we see in the Trinity. But that doesn't mean that we wouldn't, shouldn't strive to live in community with one another. But in order to do that, I believe that there's some essential elements that we have to, that we have to strive for as well in order to live in community. And the first is this, is loving one another. Look what it says in John 1. It says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Now, this, this love that he's talking about is don't expect to, to every time you walk into a room with, with one another that you're going to get this warm feeling, right? That you're going to get this, this tingly feeling of, of being in the room with everyone. It doesn't always happen like that. What I believe that the love that, that God is talking about here is the love of, of choosing to look at each other with dignity and respect. Choosing to recognize the value and importance that each and every individual has to God and choosing to seek the best for them. That's the kind of love I believe God is talking about here. And we do it because God is love. And we do it because God has filled our hearts with love. If you've put your trust in Jesus Christ, God has given you the Holy Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit is love. God is love. Romans 5.5 5 says, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Not only is it important to love in this community, it's also important to forgive freely. Colossians 3.12 says, Since God has chose you, to be holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. See, you got to remember we live in a sinful world right? And, and we are imperfect. And, and what that means is, is that we're going to offend one another, right? As we live in this community, we're, we're going to hurt one another. Now, I, I pray that when it does happen, it happens on accident. Sometimes we know, sometimes we do things on purpose. I think a lot of times we do things on accident without realizing it. But the truth is, we hurt people, we hurt people. And God says that we should make allowance for each other's faults and forgive them for hurting us because God forgave us. We also need to live peaceably. To live peaceably. Colossians 3.14 says, Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. 
And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts, for as members of one body you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. You see, true community involves harmony and peace between one another. Now, it doesn't mean that there's never going to be conflict. Because remember, we're imperfect. We're, we're sinners. We, we hurt one another. It doesn't mean it's right, but it happens. So what this means is that when this does happen, that we're actually seeking resolution, right? That we're, we're being loving, we're being forgiving, and that we have a desire to reconcile with one another. Right? It, it means that we're, we're not just going to let it fester and, and let it tear apart the relationship. It means that we're not just going to be offended and leave, but that we're going to be loving and forgiving and work towards reconciling with one another. But this doesn't mean that even in reconciliation that, that we see, end up seeing everything the same way. It doesn't mean that, that we won't have different perspectives, and, and it doesn't mean that we're going to agree on everything. But what it does mean is that we choose to love and honor one another, even in our differences. Love and honor one another, even in our differences. The last thing I, I believe that is important in community that I'd like to mention this morning is serving connectedly. First Corinthians says, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. I mean, think about the Trinity. The Trinity is one God who exists in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And then we have the body of Christ. The, the body of Christ, the, the Bible calls the body of Christ the church. The body of believers who is one body, one church, but with many members. You know, and just like our bodies, as, as we have many members, fingers, toes, nose, eyes, ear, you know, all these many parts that, that work together to make the body function correctly, right? All these parts working together to make the body function correctly. And like us, we look different, we act different, we have different experiences, we come from different places, but all of us who have put our trust in Jesus Christ are a part of one body, the body of Christ. And every single one of us is important and vital to be in, connected together in community in order for that body of Christ to work correctly. In order for that body of Christ to work correctly. Are you connected? Are you connected with the body of Christ and, and let me tell you, just showing up on Sundays doesn't necessarily mean you're, you're connected. I'm glad you're here, but it doesn't mean you're connected. You know, maybe if you're not connected, I want to challenge you to, to begin striving for that, to get connected, 
You know, maybe you need to introduce yourself to somebody after the service. You know, maybe you need to, to, to decide to get into one of the small groups that is going to be jumping off of the series, the new series next week. Maybe it's volunteering to, in one of the serving teams that, that serves on Sunday or throughout the week in the community. I just want to challenge you that when we look at the Trinity, we should want to be in community. And a part of that is getting connected because it's important. Because as the body of Christ, in order for us to function correctly as the body of Christ, fulfilling God's mission, the mission that Jesus started when he came down to earth, fulfilling his mission here on earth as his body, all of us are important because we all have a part to play in order for that body, the church, to function correctly. And it needs to function correctly because the Trinity teaches us to live on mission. You know, it's interesting when you look at the Bible, you can see all the players of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, all involved in God's mission here on earth. You see, and God's mission was to save his creation. God's mission was to restore a relationship with his creation. And every single one of them was involved in doing it. We can see in 1 John, we see that the Father sends the Son. Furthermore, 1 John 4, furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. You see, God the Father sent God the Son, Jesus Christ, to be born as a man to save humanity. To be born as a man and, and to give his life so that by putting our trust in him, we could be forgiven of our sins. And being forgiven of our sins, we're ushered into a, a new life and relationship with God. Next we see that the Father and the Son send the Spirit, John 15. But I will send you the Advocate, the Spirit of truth. He will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. This is Jesus where he, when he was about to leave his disciples and ascend into heaven. He tells his disciples that he's going to send them the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is going to come from the Father. And the Holy Spirit is going to help them understand the truth that Jesus had shared with them and not only help them understand the truth that Jesus had shared with them, but also empower them, empower them to understand that truth and to share it with others. And then we see that the son sends the church, the body of Christ with the help of the spirit John chapter 20, again Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. So do you, do you see the, how this is rolling out, how, how God has chosen to fulfill his mission to rescue humankind? The Father sends the Son. The Son comes to earth and gives his life to save all of mankind. Jesus and the Father send the Holy Spirit. 
to those who had put their trust in Jesus Christ. They're, they're filled with the Holy Spirit and empowered to understand God's truth and to share God's truth. And then Jesus sends us. Jesus sends those who have put their trust in him, those who have been empowered by the Holy Spirit, he sends them out to share with the world what Jesus has done. Look what it says in Acts 1.8. It says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You see, the Trinity shows us that we should be on mission with God. God has invited his church to be on mission with him. Are you on mission? Are you putting yourself in a place where you can share God's truth with people? with your neighbor, simply by beginning a relationship with them and allowing God to open the door for you to share how wonderful God is. Co-workers in your own family. Are you on mission with, in community with the body of Christ as we reach out to, to serve the needs of the communities around us and share God's truth? You see, I hope that throughout these, this whole series as we've been wrestling with this mystery of the Trinity, my hope is that in, in some small way, in some small way that you've kind of grown in your understanding of who God is. And my prayer is that if, as you've grown in that understanding that it would motivate you and humble you before God and before others. My prayer is that it would um, in, like, compel you to live in community and to be on mission together with God. Will you pray with me? Father, we exalt you for being a loving and an awesome God. Father, we, we praise you for being a God that we don't completely understand Father, we praise you for being who you are, and we thank you for revealing yourself to us. And Father, I pray that as we continue to grow, as we continue to pursue you, as we continue to, to discover you each and every day, Lord Jesus, that, that you would compel us to be on mission with you, that you would compel us to live in community together, and Father, that you would compel us to be humble and show your love to the world. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.